several years ago, I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but uh, somebody packed themselves in a huge crate and shipped themselves across the country via Airborne Express. Remember this? Was it you, Steve? It wasn't you. It wasn't you. The, <laughs> it was a big box. So they, they packed them across, they sent them across the country, and they actually would have gotten away with it, except they started prying themselves out of the box too quick. Uh, and the delivery man saw them, and, and they were caught. But, it, but it, it looked just, don't try this at home, it looked just like an ordinary box, right? Like that's just a normal package, but it wasn't what it appeared to be. It wasn't at all what it appeared to be. Things are like that. Uh, things aren't always what they appear to be. In the passage we're about to read, uh, Jesus has been traveling around the countryside, preaching the good news of the gospel, healing people, casting out demons, uh, announcing the coming of the kingdom, uh, forgiving sins, and he's developed quite a following. There's a, there's a big crowd around Jesus wanting to see what he'll do next. And they all appear to be following Jesus. But things aren't always what they appear to be. Was, was, the question before us is, is, was everybody who was following him really following him? Or were they just caught up in the crowd? And what this passage is going to show us is that it's possible to just get caught up in the Jesus crowd, uh, so to speak, waving the Jesus flag uh, without really knowing Jesus. And because of that, what I think this passage should do for us is to cause us to examine ourselves. Now, um, I've said before that we don't want to be continually introspective as believers and that for every you know, one look at ourselves, we need to be taking ten looks at Jesus. But there are places in Scripture where we read the Scripture and it causes us to look at ourselves and to examine ourselves uh, and, and to, to ask, in this case, am I really following Jesus? Am I really a follower of Jesus Christ? Have I heard his word and been changed by his word, or am I just kind of caught up in the crowd? So let's read this, uh, Luke chapter 8, and we'll begin reading here in verse 4. This is God's word. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, 
hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let me pray for us. Um, Father, thank you for giving us the scriptures and giving us this parable. Uh, I pray that you would help me to, to handle this text carefully and, and speak clearly. Uh, and I do pray that you would help us uh, to examine our hearts this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what's, what's this parable? Uh, Jesus tells a parable here about a farmer who goes out to plant seed. Now, it was normal in those days for a farmer who was planting uh, wheat or barley basically to have a, a, a bag of seed over his shoulder, and he would just kind of dip in, and he would walk across and, and throw those seed out to sow the seed. Uh, if you've ever planted fescue or some kind of grass in your front lawn, you might have done it something like this. You just take a bag, and you walk around, and you're just casting seed all over the lawn. Um, as he was doing this, we see that the soil in this field was not all in the same sort of condition. Some parts were hard because they were the path that had been walked on over and over again. Uh, some, uh, some parts of the field, the, the soil was very shallow, and then it got rocky immediately underneath that. Uh, some parts of the field had more weeds in it than others. And then some parts of the field, the soil, soil was good. Uh, it was packed with nutrients. It had lots of earthworms in it or, or whatever. Uh, lots of moisture. And when you, when you put seed, when the seed hit that type of soil, it took root and it grew and it produced fruit. So Jesus tells that parable and then he explains the parable as well. And he tells us that the seed is actually the word of God. And so Jesus himself is the sower of the seed who has been going and he's been teaching the word of God. He's been casting out the word of God. And the parable paints a picture of how different people have received that word of God that Jesus has been sowing. And one of the things that Jesus wants the crowds to think about who are following him and wants us to think about it as well is, have I really heard what Jesus is saying? Have I really received Jesus's word into my heart? Have I heard him or have I just gotten kind of caught up in the religious crowd. So as we go through these, <clears throat> excuse me, think of it like doing a, a stress test or some lab work. Um, we're going to see what our hearts are like, see what type of soil is in our hearts. And I want you to ask yourself, which one of these best describes me? Uh, and then what am I going to do with those lab results? All right, so let's work through these. There's just four of them. Uh, the first one is in verse 5 and verse 12. And so we'll just read these again to remind us. Uh, verse 5, a sower goes out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. What's that about? Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard and takes away the word of their hearts <laughs> and messes up the microphone. Do you want me to keep talking or turn it off? Keep talking? Okay. Um, the ones along the path are those who have not heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Um, when we plant grass in our yard, we usually do that in the fall. And part of that process is you aerate the ground. And the reason you do that is because the ground gets very hard and compacted. And you want to break that up and make it soft. Because if it's, if it's hard, if it's too compacted, 
the seed aren't really going to get into the ground and they're not going to sprout. They're just going to lay on top of the ground and blow away or, or be eaten by birds or whatever. Uh, what Jesus says here is that's what happens sometimes with people and their reaction to the word of God. Um, it, it, it may be for them that they hear it and it seems that they believe it, but it's just an intellectual thing. And so it kind of lays there along the surface. And they can tell you kind of the right answers about Christianity, but it's never really gotten down into their hearts. Jesus' grace hasn't penetrated the hardest of their hearts. Or they may hear the word of God and they just reject it outright and say, I don't, I, I, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I, my life is fine. I don't see any need for this God. His existence is irrelevant to me. And so they just move along and the word doesn't do anything for them. Uh, this person might say, I'm a decent person. I, don't, I just don't have time to go to church. I just don't see how that's relevant to me. I'm not sure I buy everything in the Bible anyway. Uh, they may even listen to a few sermons, though, from time to time. It's like, well, maybe I'll think about it, but it just never seems to go anywhere with them. The, the word doesn't penetrate their hearts, Jesus says, because their hearts are actually hard. And so the question for us to think about this as we think about this first soil in the parable is, has the truth about Jesus sunk down into your heart? Has it really sunk down into your heart? Is it exciting to you in any way? Is it, is it life-giving to you? Does it, does it bring you joy? Or is this just all kind of Southern civic religion? Um, hey, we're... We're good people, and so we go to church, and, and this is what we do. Has the gospel, has the news that, that you're a sinner who's deserving of hell, but you've been rescued by Jesus the Savior, that you've been given new life through him, have you heard that? And has that produced some sort of reaction in your heart? Has that, has that thrilled your soul? Or is it just so many seed falling along a hard path that it's not really doing anything to your heart? Uh, Chuck Colson was one of the men who was uh, involved in the Watergate scandal years ago. He wound up going to prison for that. He actually grew up in the Episcopal Church, but it didn't really do anything for him. The word didn't penetrate his heart. Uh, early in his life, he had something of a religious experience where he came to, to see, hey, I, I really believe there's a God and he created the world and how, you could, not, how could you not believe that? But that's as far as it went. And so he lived this life of selfish ambition and, and doing his own thing until Watergate hit, and he wound up heading for prison. Uh, and it's, it's that point, in, 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 as he was heading for prison, that he was converted. And that's often what it takes, isn't it? To break up the soil of our hearts is, is something to show us the futility of our lives as they are. Um, has the Word of God taken root in your heart? Has it taken root? in your heart? Has it begun to change you from within? Well, the second soil. So that, that first soil would be the, the hard dirt, representing a hard heart. Uh, the second soil shows that people have, the people who have shallow hearts, they're shallow dirt. Look at verse 6. And some fell on the rock and it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Uh, verse 13 and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in times of testing, fall away. Uh, this is a picture of the seed that's been cast, and it falls on rocky ground. So because there is a little bit of soil, and because the soil is shallow, 
whatever's planted there sprouts up. But because it's shallow and there's rocks immediately beneath it, there's not much moisture. So there's not much root. And so the plant dies very quickly. Uh, Jesus says this is a person who hears the gospel. And they get excited about it. And there appears to be something of a change. And they profess to be a believer. And they seem to follow Jesus for a time. But then when things get difficult, they just kind of go, well, never mind. Uh, this might be the person who's gone to a, a special worship service or gone to a revival of somewhat, and they, they get excited about the message. And they really do seem to follow Jesus for a time. But then they're tested. Uh, maybe life gets hard. Maybe temptations get too great. And they walk away from Christianity. Uh, those of you who've been through the new members class have, have heard me tell the story, so that a lot of you have heard this, but uh, Mickey Cohen uh, was, a, was a gangster who had a jailhouse converted, and he got excited about following Jesus. But later he said, you never told me I had to give up my career. You never told me I had to give up my friends. They're Christian movie stars, Christian athletes, Christian businessmen. So what's the matter with being a Christian gangster? If I have to give up all that, if that's Christianity, count me out. Um, this is really the person that's seen Jesus as a service provider and not as a savior. Uh, they, they, you know, you say you, you worship Jesus, but then hard times come, and Jesus doesn't come through and give you what you want, and then it's revealed who you've really been worshiping all along. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the hype, isn't it? Even the, the spiritual emotions, it's easy, easy to get caught up in the hype. Uh, some, um, yesterday on my Facebook feed, somebody had a, a meme that said, my Facebook feed looks like a battle broke out between the Confederates and a Skittles factory. Um, and, and those of you on Facebook know what that's about. But like, there's a lot of stuff that people are very passionate about right now. And the way most things go, within a week or two, we probably won't be passionate about them, at least online anymore. It'll fade away, and we'll be passionate about something else. Um, this is kind of what's happening spiritually with these people. Uh, or, or you might look at, like, look at it this way. It's kind of like the bandwagon football fan. And they're all excited about this team as long as they're 14 and 2. But the next year when they're 2 and 14, they've moved on and found another team to cheer for. Uh, what's the warning in this? What do we need to think about in this? Uh, just because you get excited about spiritual things, just because you got involved in a church even, doesn't necessarily mean that there's been a tr true work of grace in your life. Um, J.C. Ryle many years ago wrote this, it must never be forgotten that there are religious affections which are sp spurious and false. And bring form nothing better than animal, excuse me, and spring from nothing better than animal excitement. It is quite possible to feel great pleasure or deep alarm under the preaching of the gospel and yet to be utterly destitute of the grace of God. And so Jesus challenges us to, to kind of go and look like, hey, is this really real to me? Have I really repented of my sins and turned from them to Christ? Or I just kind of jumped on the religious bandwagon. Have I turned from my sins and turned to Jesus? So some hearts are hard, some hearts are shallow, and then some hearts are infested. 
uh, are, are divided. Look at verse uh, 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. All right, how's that explained? Verse 12. Um, not verse 12, hang on. Um, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is pretty straightforward. The weeds just crowd out the plants. Now, what does that show us? Uh, this is a picture of somebody that, like the second person, seems to have heard and believed the word of God and become a follower of Jesus. But then something happens in their life, too, and they just kind of gradually drift away. Uh, and Jesus says here it can be one of three things. He says it can be the cares of life that, that crowd out the, the word of God. That There are a lot of things that, you know, that are burdensome to us, that call for our attention, that we fret about. Who will I marry? Where will I live? Uh, what, what's going on with my job and my family and my kids and money and everything? And there's these, these cares of life that crowd out the word of God. And then he says it can also be riches, that it's, it's really easy for us to get caught up in acquiring wealth. And Jesus tells us in another place you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. One of them is going to become more important than the other. He says it can also be pleasure. That there are a lot of things that make the word of God seem boring or irrelevant to us. Um, some pleasures we run after are wrong in and of themselves. Uh, but some of them aren't. They just take on God-like proportions and crowd out God in our life. And that can be almost anything. Camping, sports, hobbies, you know, you know, whatever it is that you're into, these good things can, can crowd out God in our lives. Um, and, and this can be the, the person who, or, or, or the family who, like, they seem to be connected, you seem to be connected, and you're here week after week after week. But then you just get caught up in other things. And other things are more important. And you just slowly drift away and God doesn't have any relevance in your life any longer. Uh, J.C. Ryle again, thousands of things which in themselves are innocent become when followed to excess little better to our soul, little better than soul poisons and helps to hell. Well, before we move on to soil number four, I want us to stop and think about two and three just for a minute. Um, have you come in for a second office visit? Uh, because two or two and three, I think, issue a strong warning to the to the almost Christian, to the almost Christian. Um, these are people that have some sort of faith, but it doesn't appear to be actually saving faith. It doesn't appear to be real because it doesn't actually last. Uh, this can be the person who, you know, you just want the proverbial get out of hell free card. Uh, you want Jesus to save you from the power of sin, but, you know, you're not really sure I want to turn over my day-to-day -day life to him and let him rule my life. Uh, you want God to forgive you, but you want to keep doing your own thing. You want to be a part of the kingdom, but you still want to be the king. Uh, this could be the person that never really counted the cost of following Jesus. And you haven't understood that following Jesus means taking up a cross as you're following him. Um, Jesus wasn't quite as eager to convince people to follow him as we are. 
which is which, which I find interesting. Um, in Luke nine, there's this guy that goes to Jesus and he says, "I'll follow you wherever you go." And what does Jesus say? Great, come on, here's a card. Sign up and go with me. No, he says, "Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." In other words, Jesus says to this person who's very excited about following him, settle down a minute. Are you sure you want to follow me? Are you sure you want to follow me? Um, I, I think that I, at times our, the way we can do evangelism kind of sets people up to be number two or number three. Because what we say to people sometimes is, you just need to decide for Jesus. You need to sign this card. You need to pray this prayer. You need to cast your vote for Jesus is what this feels like. And now you need to remember that you're going to heaven no matter what. And remember, this is your spiritual birthday and, and just go on with your life. And maybe you know somebody like that. And they, you know, they, they prayed that prayer. And then two years later, they were just down the road doing their own thing again. But at the same time, they're confident of their salvation because they got saved. They voted for Jesus. But were they really? Were they really trusting in Christ? Are they trusting in Christ? Or are they trusting that they signed a card or prayed a prayer or made a decision? Have they been born again? Or have they just had a religious experience that now is starting to fade? Um, this is a hard parable. This is, this is a really hard parable. Um, and I, I think it really challenges us challenges us to think about what conversion really is and what conversion really looks like. Uh, conversion is, is God getting a hold of somebody and changing them uh, into someone who more and more hates sin and hates their sin and longs to be like Jesus Christ. Uh, somebody who sees their sin as offensive to God, not just as something that causes problems for me, but it's actually offensive to God. And, and so we long more and more um, to be freed from that. And, and we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, I, we have to be honest. Yes, I, I do still love my sin. But I want to be done with it. And I want to turn from it. I want to hate it. Yes, I do at times love my life and, and love the pursuit of pleasure more than I should. But I'm seeing more and more that that leads to nothing good. To nothing good and I want to die to myself and live for you Lord Jesus I, I know there's nothing I can do to save myself my, my prayers are half-hearted my tears are, are worthless my promises are gonna be broken you even say my righteous deeds are like filthy rags in your sight but Jesus you promise to be merciful to everybody who comes to you Lord Jesus will you save me Will you save me? I can't save myself. See, when, I, when somebody is truly converted, um, you will still struggle with sin. Okay, don't miss that. You will still struggle with sin. You will backslide at times. You will say and do dumb things. You're like, oh my goodness, why did I do that? Why did I say that? But over time, you will also begin to produce fruit. There will be fruit in your life. Because God has changed the, the soil of your heart and it's good soil now. And it is going to begin to produce a crop, which is the last soil, verse 15. And as 
For that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. Um, it's not unusual for me to talk to somebody and, and to hear them say, you know, I'm so frustrated. I was reading my prayer journal this morning, and I'm still struggling with the same thing I was struggling with a year ago when I was writing in my prayer journal. And you need to know if that's you, because that's probably all of us, um, that the fruit doesn't come overnight. That the fruit doesn't come overnight. So don't grow weary. If you're struggling with sin this morning, don't grow weary in your struggles with sin. And don't think that just because you're a sinner, that, that means you're in your soil one, two, or three. Don't grow weary with your struggles with sin. Don't believe people who tell you they don't struggle anymore, but be patient. Be patient. Jesus says the truly converted person will bear fruit with patience. Uh, read Psalm 1 and, and, and take that to heart, uh, because if you'll delight yourself in God's word, it doesn't say delight yourself in God's word and tomorrow you'll be perfect like Jesus. It says you'll be like a tree which bears fruit in season. In season. Hold fast to God's word. Cry out to Jesus for help. And you'll bear fruit with patience as well. Well, two things. Just two things as we wrap up for you to think about, for you to kind of take home with you. Um, think about these four soils and honestly ask yourself, which one of these best represents my reaction over time to the Word of God. And just be honest with yourself and, and think about that. Um, how'd you do on that spiritual stress test? Um, and then I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, if you've got questions about that, if you're like, man, I don't know if I'm soil four or not, then I'd love to talk to you about that. Don't just leave and be depressed about it. Don't just leave and say, well, I'm just going to work harder on this, and so next time I'll be... No, let, let's talk about that. But be honest, with, be honest with yourself. You know, don't just look at the results and then go like we do with the results from the doctor. Well, I'm not going to worry about it. Look at the results and be honest with yourself. And then secondly, the second thing to kind of take home, uh, one of the, the catechisms we use is the, the Westminster Larger Catechism. And it asks this question, and, and maybe I'll email this out. It says, what is required of those who hear the word preached? What is required of those who hear the word preached? Which is what just happened this morning, heard the word. And this, here's how it answers it. It is required of those who hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind is the word of God. Meditate and confer of it, which confer of it means to me talk about it. Meditate and talk about it. Hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Go and do that. Go and do that. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, um, I, I thank you for this this uh, example we can look at, this parable, uh, this stress test for our hearts. And uh, I pray that you would help us to, to look at it honestly. Uh, and Father, I, I, I pray that if we see something is lacking there, that um, we won't just ignore that or sweep that under the carpet. 
Uh, I pray too, though, that we won't just try to take it on ourselves to be better and work harder, but that we would really turn to Christ uh, and seek after him and, and learn what it means to, to truly repent of our sins uh, and to rest in Jesus. Uh, God, thank you for this parable. Please, please use it in our, in our hearts today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.